are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, my name is Umar Hamid and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast where we explore mindset, how leaders grow their people, their teams, their organizations, and their revenue. Looking for more? Join us on the Mindset Boosters group. You'll find the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. Today, I've got the pleasure of having Lee Cockrell here with me today. He was the VP of Operations at Walt Disney Resorts. And to hold that position, to have that high quality, not only in himself, but the thousands of employees, that's a really hard trick to do. And now Lee's retired and he's helping leaders around the world become awesomer. Lee, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. That is brilliant. So tell me, how did you end up at Walt Disney? Did you come in at that level or did you work your way up? I actually worked my way up from getting into the hotel business after getting out of the army. I started as a waiter at the Washington Hilton in DC. I worked for Hilton eight years all over the country, including Chicago, New York, LA. And then I joined Marriott for 17 years and became vice president of food and beverage because I focused on the food business. And nice. I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open Disneyland Paris. So I did that for three years. And then I was brought back to Orlando to be in charge of operations there, which I did for 10 more years. Let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, what did you do in the military? I was a cook. Oh, <laughs> then it all kind of connects. So tell me, what about your military experience uh, set you up for success when you went into the private sector? Well, you know, when I went in the Army, I dropped out of college because I didn't go to class and I was young and immature. And uh, I really, you know, the Army, you quickly learn discipline and there's a right way to do it. And you follow orders and do the right thing and do it right. And uh, and uh, took a lot of discipline, which I needed at that age. And so that's I learned a lot about uh, uh, following through, getting things done. Um, and uh, I think the Army, when you go through basic training on those long hikes. Yes. Uh, you learn that you're uh, better than you thought you were. Yeah. That is amazing. And one of the things that I find is uh, that the army is really process driven. Would that be a true statement? Oh, absolutely. There's one way to do it. That's the army way. <laughs> yeah. This uh, You're going to help me complete this uh, phrase from the army. If you see something on the ground, pick it up. If you can't pick it up, uh, paint it. If you can't paint it, salute it. <laughs> And Disney's the same way. There's one way to do things at Disney and Marriott too. There's one way to do things at Marriott. I mean, you do, that's the way you do it. And that's why you get consistency. And, uh, and that's where you get excellence as well, because once you have a process, you can improve it. If you don't have a process, then you're just trying different things. Absolutely. Process is the one thing so many people miss of, uh, you know, right now, that's the problem with getting the vaccine. There's no process in place. So it's chaos. Yeah. And so, but Lee, you don't understand. I'm a creative person and this process is bogging me down. It's, do you want me to do a good job or do you want me to follow your process? And the answer is follow the freaking process because that's what great companies do. Yeah, that it is so true. And a lot of people have to learn that because a lot of people want to do it their way. They want to be the Lone Ranger. They think they're better. 
And it's an ego problem sometimes for people to fall in line and do it the right way. So uh, yeah, that was good learning. So we're gonna, uh, I'm going to tell you one more thing, then we're going to dig deeper into that. Somebody had told me this. I'm not sure if this is true, but it should be true. They'd asked me a question. Uh, Subway sandwich shops you know, are uh, the gazillion franchises around the world. And they said, who are more successful, uh, farmer franchisees or MBAs? And they said, farmers kick the ass of MBAs all day long because you give them a process, they follow it, and that's the process for success. And the MBAs are like, I know better than you, and they try and tweak things, and it doesn't work. Well, there's something to that. I've had a lot of people from Harvard and Stanford and uh, Yale report to me, and I don't have a college degree, and uh, there was something missing sometimes, like uh, persistence and uh, learning new ways to do things and uh, being humble and uh, listening to other people. <laughs> so, yes, you're right. So tell me what comes up on a process that either you created or you were adopting. Then as a leader, you went, you know, we need to tweak this process. So do you have one of those things comes to mind where there was a process you made better? Yeah, I mean, at Disney, it's the same. We're always improving the process. You know, every day, uh, it's kind of the attitude. We don't uh, call it Six Sigma or, or Lean. We call it, uh, you know, we need to improve everything a little bit every day whether you're a secretary, whether you're a waiter, whether you're a, no matter who you are. And that's kind of the same uh, example so, that Sigma talks about. And so any process from how we enter, let people in the park to how you get on a ride when we created a fast pass system using new technology, uh, how you get your paycheck when you used to get a check and now you get paid online. And uh, uh, I would say every process at Disney over time is changed. And technology drives a lot of that because it's available now. So tell me about, there's one thing to have uh, something on your wall that says, you know, we are driven to improve. And there's a difference in having that written on the wall and having that imprinted on the hearts of the people that are the employees. So how do you go from just platitudes to a set of beliefs? Like how do you indoctrinate that? Because right now you're working with other companies, helping them do that. So how do you manifest that idea into the hearts of people? Yeah, I try to get them back to the basics. I think too many people have gotten too complex. They are not remembering the basics their mother taught them about. Uh, and at Disney, the three things we do better than anybody else and anybody can do is we hire better. First of all, we're extremely careful who we bring into the organization. We have a process for that. We have a profile we go through. Uh, we're very, uh, uh, a lot of attention to detail on who we bring in. After that, uh, we're very clear with people before they join us about our expectations for their performance, their attitude, being on time to work, personal appearance, uh, uh, clarity of expectations. There is no mm -hmm. misunderstanding. Like in the mar Army, the sergeant was very clear. And uh, like your mother was. Your mother was very clear with you when you were growing up. And uh, second thing we do, we train better. We train everybody, we test them, and then we enforce the training. That's... Uh, uh, just like your mom. How do you mean enforce the training? Our management's out and about, and uh, they are observing, and uh, they are uh, correcting, just like your mother did. When you ran in the street, she had a little conversation with you, and uh, anything you weren't doing something. I always tell people, manage like a mother. They know exactly what they're doing, and uh, they use all the skills of empathy and discipline, and uh, they use them. When so are you saying I can cuff my employees? Is that what you're saying? Uh, if there's no witnesses, yeah. <laughs> I love that. The but, uh, And the last thing we do, we create a culture that is uh, where people wake up in the morning and want to come to work, uh, a place where everybody matters and they know it. Uh, you know, that's the key. 
let's uh, dig down into uh, creating a culture because there's one thing saying it, then how do you a define the culture and then how do you highlight and reward good behavior and capture those stories? Because sometimes saying what it is is like dead, but if you can get a story that manifests what really happened, I want to tell you about Tabitha. This is what she did, and this is actually exemplifies what we do, makes it living and breathing. So how do you define a culture if you go into a new organization? And then once you've got it defined, how do you instill it into the employees? Yeah, well, the culture, certainly one thing at Disney, there's a lot of education. The first eight, you spend eight hours before you do anything learning about Disney, the stories, how it was created, how, what it means to the guests around the world, uh, how strong the brand is, how why people come, um, the fantasy of getting away from reality, uh, uh, having a place that's clean and friendly and uh I always tell people uh, the chances you ha having a bad time at Disney is extremely low because we have so much clarity around taking care of the people, showing you care, being committed to uh, the employees too, the cast members. You know, the leadership is not there to bully people around; they're there to teach. And we say, so let's say uh, there's a lot of companies. I, I'm here in Baltimore. You're located in Florida. Florida. Either your hometown or my hometown, right now I can go and find 50 companies in Baltimore that have the most amazing culture in their employee's manual. But if you actually walk around what they're doing, there is a huge disconnect. So if you were going into an organization where what they want the culture to be and what it really is, is different. So let me give you a metaphor and then I'll ask you the question. So one of the metaphors I use is if we think of a company being like just a white sheet of paper and underneath that white sheet of paper is a magnet. And when you get iron filings and you sprinkle it on the piece of paper, they hit the paper and they move to the lines of flux. So the behaviors and the mindset of the employee are the iron filings. The company is the paper, but the culture and the beliefs is the magnet underneath. So if you go into a company that their people aren't behaving in the right way, don't have the right mindset, you can't move individual iron filings. You have to go in deeper at the level of beliefs. So how do you do that, Lee? Yeah. Hey, do you think that's a valid uh, metaphor? And if it is, how do you go about changing that magnet? Well, we went through that in the 90s. Disney was a very autocratic organization. Leadership met two or three people, tell us everybody what to do. We're not interested in your opinion. Uh, we'll tell you what to do. And we started down a track of understanding we need to make some major changes because the business was changing. The internet was here. People could go online and go anywhere. You couldn't control uh, co commercials on TV anymore and expect business. So we are first the president of our company, who I reported to at the time, uh, he started a program he called Judson Green. He was okay. He started a program called Performance Excellence. It took us about three years. First, he got in front of all the management and talked to them about we were going on a new bus ride and you better get on the bus because those days are over of you pushing the employees around and intimidating them. We're going to start listening to them. We're going to include them. We're going to involve them. We're going to be more careful when we put people in leadership positions. We're going to, and on and on and on. And, uh, so pause right there for a minute, Lee, because uh, I just want to interject there and then we'll go further along. Mm -hmm. So that is all brilliant, but I suspect there were a bunch of VPs saying, mark my word, this bullshit's going to be over. This is never going to work. There had to be like some resistance there. A, did you witness it? And then how did he win those people over to finally go, okay, this is the new way? 
Yeah, well, it took time, and we fired a bunch of them, and 50%, 50 executives left the company over three years, the major ones had been there 30, 25, 30, 35 years, because they couldn't go there. They couldn't, they just couldn't change. They'd been too locked so in. So did they self-select out, or were they asked to leave, or a combination? They probably, uh, oh, it was a combination. Some just left, because they were probably been there long, could retire, and just went ahead and left, and others we had to let go, because they couldn't go, they couldn't make that change to be uh, serving the employees instead of telling them what to do. And, uh, and then every single time we hired a new manager, we were 10 times more careful than we used to be. You, there was no longer, if you stayed around long enough, you got into management. It had to be on performance. We had to see you in action. We had to understand who you were. Because in the old days, if you stood, if you stood in line long enough, you would become a manager just because of time. Now it's 100% performance. And uh, uh, your behavior, your attitude, how you uh, treat people, respect for people, uh, having a sense of empathy and discipline to get things done, get them done on time. And uh, so it took time. Over time, all of a sudden, three years later, we had better management. And our leaders were all required to be out with the cast members 80% of their day, not in the office. They had to be out there with them, working with them, helping them jumping on a cash register, helping them with inventory. Uh, and uh, so it's a very involved, uh, everybody in the company spends a lot of time out with the guests and with the cast members, uh, making sure that we are seeing what we want and uh, correcting it. You know, we have a lot of young people that need uh, some, a lot of training, a lot of development. Uh, they have good attitude. They have a good heart. They, uh, but they don't know uh, the basics. And we, so we spend a lot of time on that. And, uh, if we hire people with a good attitude and passion, we're willing to teach them in the technical part. Uh, we say people with a good attitude and passion are high potential people. They can do about anything if you uh, educate them and train them. I'm not sure what it's called. Uh, in a few moments, we're going to go to your academy. But before we go there, Walt Disney started teaching corporations how to build that kind of culture. Correct. Uh, are you familiar with the program? What was it called? Called the Disney Institute. Actually, I was involved in it, and I worked with them 10 years after I retired, teaching those classes around the world, too. Uh, it was very successful because a lot of people wanted to understand how did Disney get these kind of results and reputation, and uh, so they started teaching them. And there's six, seven, eight courses on how to hire better, how to uh, train better, how to uh, treat your people better, all of those things, and companies come. Uh, and, uh, so here's the question for you, because you know, no doubt Disney has amazing training programs, but a lot of people that come to those training programs have the best of intentions. And one of the things was that when we started this conversation, we were talking about tenacity and sticking with it. So some of those people go back and I suspect would think magically their organization is going to change. So can you share a couple of stories? Don't name names. Some huge successes. People came, they saw the light and they went back and they transformed their organizations and other people went back and they struggled. And when they struggled, how did you guys help them figure it out? Well, there's two kinds of things. So people come for a two or three day class. I would say most of those people go back and don't get much done. And then there's other companies that hire Disney to come in and work with them on site Brilliant. up to a year, year and a half, two years, very expensive. And they guide them through it. And, um, and they have, we help them hire somebody to be in charge of this, to report to the CEO so they can have direct uh, empowerment, if you will, to get things done and to, for the top person to know what's going on and how it's progressing. 
because if the person at the top nice. of the company doesn't want it, it's not going to happen unless CEO wants it. You're not going to get the resources. You're not going to get the time. You're not going to get the uh, somebody pushing it every morning, every day, all day. To the other high-level executives who may not like this, um, just like they did at Disney. So um, uh, that's the one that works best. I would say like most seminars, a lot of people go to, unless you're committed to it, uh, how many go back and really implement? You know, I teach a time management seminar. Most people are so disorganized, it's not even funny. I would say a 15, 20% maybe go back and implement it and do great. 80% don't even remember what course they went to <laughs> because... You know, people just, uh, they don't have the discipline to improve themselves. And we've got to get people to take uh, responsibility for their own development, not just their company developing in them. You know, you've got to get organized. You've got to be a good manager. You've got to be a good leader. You've got to be competent in technology. You've got to be competent in relationships. There's many things. And I think a lot of people just kind of focus on their technical expertise. And, and every, every problem you have in life is people. If you don't learn how to manage and lead the people and be there for them and respect them, you're not going to ever be successful. I told you, you know, even Chick-fil-A, I tell you, it's not about the chicken. It's about the people. You know, the chicken's fine. The chicken's never going to be. Absolutely. <laughs> so you've so got what's kind of interesting is uh, the best leaders that uh, I've come across in my career have been leaders that employees would take a bullet for them. And one of the reasons was they respected their employees. They brought out their best in their employees. And just by doing those things, it was pretty fundamental. So let me tell you, I used to do these trainings around the country. And one of the exercises I would do is say, okay, I want you to think about who has been a leader in your life. And so for some people, it's their grandfather or their mom or their first boss or their football coach, whoever it is. And I said, Think of one of those leaders and think of the attributes that leader had that you really appreciated. And then people, you know, go back to a fonder time and they think of those attributes. And then we would write the attributes on the wall and we'd have hundreds of attributes on the wall. And then I would get the 30, 40 people in the class to go, okay, whichever one you think is the most important attribute, go next to it and put five check marks next to it. So it's got the most check marks. And then number two would be four. And then number three would be all the way down to one for the fifth most important one for you. Here's the interesting thing that I would be with PhDs in Boston, tire workers without a high school education in Dublin, Virginia, all around the country, no matter who the groups were, the master list was always different. But when they went down to the five most important and we crowdsourced in that group, those five were always identical no matter where you went. So fundamentally, intrinsically, we know what leadership is. But to build leaders, that's a different story. And that's one of the things your institute does, right? So tell us about your institute and how you help build great leaders. Well, I think the keys are, and I don't know what the five were for you all, but you know, the one thing we really- First one was good looking. So I've got that covered. No, I don't yeah, have got that covered. Go. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, making sure we're building trust, that people know yeah. we care about them, we're available for them. We will step out there and help them when they need help with something. And uh, So let me pause you right there for a second, Lee, because I get a sense if you wanted to do that with me, and we were in that kind of setting that what you're saying and what you're feeling would align. And I would just feel that and I would feel connected with you. And I could get another leader that could say the same words, but you could just tell that that freaking guy does not mean it. 
Right. They're just platitudes. So how do you get leaders to really build that trust? Not just go, these are the three steps, because that would be bullshit. But how do you instill it in them to build that trust? Well, I think it's a, it's just part of the culture over time at Disney. And now we try to instill it in the people that at first it takes time. It takes time to build trust. And uh, you've got to do it every day. And in, it's in everything you say. And every, be careful what you say and do because you're being judged every second. And so not being preoccupied, being available for people when they need to see you, um, making sure you're checking in with them, what they need to do their job better. Is, do they have any issues? How's their mother doing in the hospital? How's the soccer game last night? Uh, going out of your way with special requests to help them when they're, they have nice. a tragedy. I mean, it's like uh, I would say, I always tell leaders, we want our leaders to be like you would like for your kids' leaders to be when they get in the workforce. What kind of brilliant? Person, that's what, a great lens to look at it. You know, uh, what kind of leader does I want? Do I want my grandchildren to have while they're out in the workforce? And be that kind of leader. And uh, that puts a new perspective on it to think about it. We do that within the nurses, you know, think about that's your mother laying in the hospital bed or your daughter or your grandmother. Uh, And it is because it is somebody's mother, daughter, grandmother. And uh, try to help people get a perspective that uh, the customer is not a problem. They are humans. They have issues. And our job is to serve. That's what we do. If you want to be excellent, if you want to be excellent. Number one is trust. And what are some of the other ones? Well, uh, I think at Disney, uh, trust follows, goes into that. You do what you say you're going to do. You're reliable. You're credible. You keep your promises. Walk your talk. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, appreciation, recognition, and encouragement that we know how to give that because we all want it, me included. Uh, that it's, I call it the fuel that drives human performance is appreciation, recognition, and encouragement. It certainly drives a marriage. My wife said, tell me you love me. If you love me, don't keep it to yourself. And I said, I we, appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate your employees. Tell them. You're doing a great job. We're glad you're on our team. I, I hope you stay with us. You're the kind of person we need here. Uh, you know, some people go through their life and never get any appreciation, and they grow up in difficult times, and they have a dysfunctional families. And when they come to Disney, that's the, probably the highlight of their many of them's day because they're living on the edge out there in the world. So, Lee, uh, when we end this podcast, I want you to go find your wife, and I want you to tell her this, if it makes sense, because I heard this uh and I thought it was the most beautiful thing ever is uh, the love I feel for you is secondhand because I get to feel it first. Yeah, there you go. Isn't well, that nice? She, and is she smiling, over there on the side? She's smiling at me across the room right now. I could see that. And, uh, you know, uh, showing love and showing appreciation is not easy for everybody. You know, I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional family where nobody exchanged those kind of uh sentiments and uh, I love you or I care. I mean, I know they did, but it was hard for people to say because they'd been hardwired a different way by their own growth. And uh, I've really had to work hard at that because it's hard. It's not easy. And uh, so we have about half the stuff in our brain is not true and we're trying to get it out of there so we can uh, be better. Brilliant. Lee, we're going to put the links to your academy and your website on this uh, podcast. Lee, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with uh, our audience today. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I'm glad we had a chance to sit down together. Yeah, thanks a lot. Good luck to you. You take care. That was pretty good. Uh, What do you think? That was like 25 minutes went by like that. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's uh, it's a subject that people need to think more about and don't. You know, you're on Absolutely. Purpose. 
And I think there's a, probably the most important thing you said, at least for me, was I think life is really, really complicated. And a lot of stuff we do is really, really complicated. But when you can actually give people a simple little tool that makes it easy to understand, and I think that phrase, be the leader you want your kids to be, gets all the BS to go away and you kind of go, huh, I want my kid to be kind and respectful and a visionary. And it gives us permission to be the leaders we should be. Because if we said, be the leader you want to be, then it's like, oh my God, don't do that. So thank you for that. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that keeps me going in the right direction. Yeah. Brilliant. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 